Gracious Father, we love singing that song because we believe that that's absolutely correct. That you are at your center good and you define what good looks like. And even though we don't always understand how things go, and sometimes it seems like the world is going in a direction that's not good. But Father, our, our, our hope and our belief and our trust is in your goodness, though we do or do not understand. As we look back in our lives, we can see a lot of places where you've been good and a lot of places we didn't understand. It seems like, boy, things are upside down. But God, our trust is not in circumstances and we're not on the ride just because you make us happy. We're affirming your goodness whether we're happy or not and whether or not we suffer or not. And so we pray for people this day who suffer just because they love your name. You're still good. In Afghanistan, where there's a whole church there of people who have to hide because of their faith, you're still good. And in North Korea, we hear horrible things about Christians, freedom, and China, and oh, it goes on and on and on. Savior, we honor you, and we exalt you, and we adore you. You are the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this church, your church, capital C, big church around the world is yours. And the gates of hell will not prevail over it because you're not just good, you're also powerful. And so we're, we're humbled that we're even allowed to come and be here, but we are because you've called us and gave it. And then, you know, did you call us? You give us grace just even to say yes. So Father, may it be that we follow you as best we know how, as long as we breathe. <laughs> May we honor you with our lives and our yes to you, our Savior. If you call us and ask us, may we say yes to you, not no. And so, Father, bless this dear congregation. You know, for, <laughs> for each one, God, for the goodnesses that you've done in each one's life, we're, we're impressed by you all over again. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that we don't have to guess about you. You've given us so much about you that we can know and learn about. So I pray today, God, you would do what you've done so often. Open your word to us, not just to make us smarter or more educated in your Bible, but also, God, to obey and honor you with what we do, with what we hear. So to that end, God, we pray you'd open your word to us afresh. God, I, I will still pray for those for whom every day is kind of hard, for those who mourn. I still pray you give them comfort and lift them up. Thank you, Father, for your mercies and your blessings. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. We're glad that you have come and braved the elements. It's just a blast. You know, I'm glad that you're here. It's just good seeing you all. So thank you for joining, and thank you for giving God worship in that time like that. You know, it's really important stuff. So um, I confess. Here's my, my confessions, right? I like you. I love this church. I love hanging out with you. I like being with you. But fill this sentence for me. The more Christian people that I know and love, the less time and energy I have for... Okay. So somehow we've been talking... What did you, you say, Johnny? Young faith. Young faith. Okay. Um, here's where I was going with the whole thing. Jesus gave us things that are of first importance. And our desire is to honor him and obey him in what he said and what he does. So by God's grace, we're going to model our lives after what he's done and what he said. If he did it, 
We want to kind of get that. Okay, well, what I thought you would say was, the more time I spend with people of faith, nice people, Christian people, we laugh at the same stuff, the less time I really have for unbelieving people or people that we call lost. Now, hear me on this one. Lost people are not bad people. There was a little guy who got lost from his mommy and daddy one time in a big, big, big market, big, you know, uh, store, uh, mall. And the little guy got lost. And they're like, where'd he go? Where's Billy? I don't know, you know. And, and they found Billy. He was happy. He, he was one security guy, you know, and having ice cream and soda. He's like loving life until he heard his mom and dad's voice. He didn't even know he was lost until his mom, where have you been? And then he felt bad, you know. So there are people who are really, really, really good people. They're not bad people. There's people who are not where they're supposed to be, not where they're designed to be walking with Jesus. Jesus made intentional time for people who were not walking with him. That's hard, right? Because I like being with people who like what I like. I like people who finish my sentences. I like people who have the same values. I like people who are kind of like nice people who I can trust them with about a lot of stuff. I can trust, well, there are a few. I, no, I'm just kidding. I can trust you. You're nice people, right? Jesus made time for what some people saw as those, well, they just hadn't followed him. They're doing the best they could. So, so we should too. Would you please turn to Luke chapter 5? And I like to observe, it's on page uh, 1598 is where we'll start. Page 15 in the Blue Bibles, page 1598. But I want to talk today about how do we care about lost people the way Jesus cared about lost people? Um, so here's the context. The context is in verse 17. <clears throat> One day, as Jesus was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was um, on, on uh, present for him to heal the sick. And some main men came carrying a paralytic man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before, lay before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat to the tiles in the middle of the crowd and right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Of course, you know, blasphemy is punishable by death. For who alone can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take every mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe. And they said, we have seen remarkable things here this day. What a remarkable, awesome day. Quickly, I want to kind of, where was Jesus? What was the setting? Inside a house. How many people were there? Lots. 
so many people that they couldn't even bring the poor, the poor guy on a mat in. They had to drop him through the roof, the hole in the roof, and, and lay before Jesus to, for a heal. The place was full. How many people loved Jesus? They were all amazed at the teaching. You know, so a lot of people were like, whoa, this is, they were there to hear his teaching. And it was all done like, wow, this guy's, this guy's remarkable. Wow, pretty cool. How many hated him? They were there, Pharisees and the scribes, and they're like, you can't do this. You can't say you forgive sins. So they were a large crowd. Some loved him. Some hated him. People, 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 people. You know, it had to be like this buzz in your head. Like, Whoa, powerful. Because when it was all done, everybody like, we were all amazed. They're like, who is this? What did we just see? Did we just see a paralyzed man who we knew get up and walk? I can't believe we saw the power of God. That's the context. But that wasn't what I wanted to focus on. Because immediately after that event is where I wanted to focus. What happens next? Verse 27. After this, Jesus went outside and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Folks. We are all medical people here. Part of our deal is not just looking for more nice people, not to scour the county for more believers and find more Christians. You'd all come to our church. Part of our deal has got to be what's on Jesus' heart. Those people who just are lost. They're not bad people. They just would never come through those doors. They haven't had a good experience with Christians particularly. They think the church is kind of judgmental. We all about all about is money. So why would they come here? It's the only day they have to sleep in because they work every other day. They're just nice people who are just not where they're supposed to be in fellowship with God. And somehow, Jesus takes intentional time. He takes his time away from his disciples, away from people who say, yay, away from those who are amazed. He takes time away from all that, and he walks out the door and he sees a guy it says, a man, one guy, his name was Levi, and he was a tax gatherer sitting in his booth. How did Jesus see him? I don't know. There's a whole bunch of people. Why did Jesus see him? I don't know. All I know is some of you are really, 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 really good at seeing people. Some of you can look in a crowd and see people's eyes, and you know, I need to talk to that person. Jesus didn't see the crowds always. Jesus saw people. You might see it in your family gatherings. You might see it with your friends at work. But there was something going on inside Levi that Jesus just saw. And... And so, so anyway, here's my first point. In order for us to do what Jesus did, you and I have got to see people, to really see them. 
you know, this was a Jewish guy. And this Jewish guy, where was he? In a tax booth. So his safety went about the size of that booth, however that was. And you, you know the story about tax gatherers. So Jerusalem, Israel at that time, was dominated by the Romans. Think with me for a second. So China and Russia get together. And they come into our country and they take over the White House. And the Chinese and the Russians dominate us. And they say, we have now got the United States of America. But now we want to take money and stuff from people. Who here will work for us and tell us where your neighbors hide their stuff? And some said, I will. <laughs> Levi said, I will. The dirty rat? So Levi say, oh, yeah, I know the Johnsons. They keep their big motorhome over there. Oh, you got a motorhome? We'll take that. Oh, and the Smiths, they take their boat. Oh, we'll take that. Everybody hated tax gatherers. The Romans hated them because they were just Jews. And the Jews hated them because they were rats. So Jesus looked and saw the eyes of a rat. The only place he was safe was in that tax booth. And Jesus saw him. What was the name of the guy who was lowered from the roof? What was the name of the people who were there inside that crowded house? What was the name of the Pharisees? What was the name of the tax collector? Levi. How did he do that? He saw him. He just saw him. Folks, some of you are just so good at this. I mean, I'm amazed at how good at some of you are. You can just see what others don't seem to see. Um, you know, and, and Levi, it says, uh, I, we, we believe that every word here is important, right? What was Levi doing? What was his position when Jesus saw him? Oh, come on. Verse 27. He was sitting. He was sitting down. Okay, so we know that sitting means two things, right? So sitting can mean what you're doing right now. You're sitting and I'm standing. But in Psalms 1, it says, Blessed are those who do not sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. So sometimes sitting means I'm comfortable in my position. I'm comfortable being a tax collector. I'm comfortable ripping off my friends. I'm comfortable being a legal cheat. I'm comfortable here. Because in a minute, you will stand up. But Jesus saw him sitting down. And Jesus, maybe, we don't know, was one of the first guys to just really see him in his comfortable spot. So I, I'm reading this book. It's by Aaron Chambers, and it's called Eats with Sinners, which is going to get Jesus in a lot of trouble here pretty soon. Um, and so I love this story. Um, it was a coach, and he saw kids. Chris Hogan is the head football coach at Grapevine Faith Christian School in Grapevine, Texas. I think that's pronounced Grapevine, Texas. I'm not sure. His faith in the ability of his team and the fans at his school to make good choices transformed the football field in Grapevine into a sanctuary. The football game between the Gainesville State School 
and Grapevine Faith School was on November 7, 2008. Um, the state school was full of kids who were guilty of something. They got busted for burglary or drugs or breaking and entering or stealing. Some of those um, who were there, Gainesville State School was a maximum security correctional facility 75 miles north of Dallas. And every player on Gainesville State roster has been convicted of something, and every game for them is a road game. And the 14 Gainesville players arrive at every game escorted not by cheerleaders and doting parents wearing jerseys, but by 12 uniformed officers. No one comes to their game. No one cheers for them. No one seems to believe in them. At least that's what they believed. And no one sees them. Coach Hogan decided to see them. And so he emailed his players and his fans and said, here's the message I want to send you. You are just as valuable. Oh, here's the, here's the message I want you to send. We see you. And you are just as valuable as any other person on planet Earth. He said that to his fans. He said, fans, I want you to tell that to these kids, these state prison kids. Some people were confused. What are we doing this? To which Hogan replied, imagine if you didn't have a home life. Imagine if everybody had pretty much given up on you. Now imagine what it would be like for hundreds of people to suddenly see you. Imagine what happened if every Christian suddenly believed in every sinner. So here's what they did. Before the game, they took the field and made a 40-yard spirit line with a banner for the Gainesville Tornadoes. That was the name to run through. And more than 200 faith fans sat on the Gainesville side of the field to cheer against the Gainesville players on by name. Half of the cheerleaders stood on the opposing side, and they cheered for them the entire game. The Gainesville Tornadoes were so overwhelmed that although they lost the game and maintained their perfect 0-9 and nine schedule for the season, at the end of the game, they acted like they just won the Super Bowl. They jumped up and down and gave their coach a Gatorade bath. And after the games, both teams gathered um, in the middle of the field for prayer, and the Gainesville the correctional facilities kid, the quarterback, and the middle linebacker surprised everybody by volunteering to pray. Lord, I don't know how this happened, so I don't know how to say thank you, but I never would have known there were so many people in the world that cared about us and never even saw us. When the game was over and the Gainesville players boarded the bus, each player was handed a bag for a ride home with a burger, fries, a can of soda, some candy, a Bible, and an encouraging letter from a faith player. An ESPN reporter said of this game and the great deal of faithful's actions, while it didn't erase the mistakes they made, it showed 14 kids that regardless of how bad things they've done in the past, there's a reason to look ahead. Someone could see this. Jesus made intentional he, made, he took intentional energy to see people who didn't know him and didn't care about him and had made a lot of mistakes. We have got to see people 
we have got to intentionally make time in your crazy schedule. One more thing. Jesus saw people, man. And so this is of first importance. We have got to see people. And then, this is pretty cool. Uh, and so some of you do this naturally. Some of you are really, really good at this. And so you're like the best neighbors in the planet to have. I mean, you really care about people. You love your neighbors because, I mean, you shovel their sidewalk. You get their, their mail for them. You take care of their dog when they're gone. You know, you're really good at loving people. But Jesus did not just see them and love him. What did, what did he say to Levi? Follow me. Levi, I want you to follow me. Okay, some of you have never, it feels like, I don't have that much guts to ask somebody to actually follow Jesus. But Jesus didn't just see them. He invited them to something better. To something better. Levi, I mean, was it good for Levi to be a tax gatherer? He had probably the biggest house and the most money. Was it good for Levi? Jesus asked him, you need to know Jesus, man. This is, this is the best thing for you. And so he said, Levi, I want you to right now follow me. And so Levi said what we would say, you know, I'm pretty busy. I mean, I'll get to it later, but I, I got a lot of stuff going. You know, Levi, what did he do? Watch the words. What did he do? He stood up. Levi had been sitting. Now Levi stood up. For the first time, maybe in his whole life, this guy now is finally taking a stand for something that really, 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 really matters. He stood up. And when he stood up, then what did he do? How much did he leave there? Everything. He lost his career. He lost his security. He lost his position. Now even the Romans wouldn't like it. He lost everything to follow Jesus. Folks, that is, our, that is what I'm asking of you believers. Give up. That's, that's, the, that's the request. He wants us to give up everything. So that if we do experience suffering, that we will still follow him. Right? So if we're going to Africa, we'll follow him. If we're going to Turkey, we'll follow him. If you're going to North Carolina, we'll follow him. If God calls you to ministry, you follow him. If God calls you to serve, you follow him. That's what we ask. Jesus doesn't just see people. Seeing is really good. Loving is really, really good. But he actually called people. Um, I had a buddy who uh, lived out... I don't know, in the woods somewhere, you heard this bang, 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 bang. Kind of like your house, you know. You heard some crazy guy out there. What are you doing? Ah, just shooting, target practice a little bit, you know. And the guy knew nothing about guns, the, the visitor. And, and so um, he got a gun. And they were out shooting together. And pretty soon they were shooting for a lot. And they started talking a lot. And, and they became friends. And my friend at one time said, this is a good friendship. But I got to ask you. Do you have a walk with Jesus? Do you have any faith? And the guy said, no, I'm pretty much not a spiritual guy. 
And for the first time ever in this man's life, if he remembered, somebody asked him to believe in Jesus. No one had ever asked. No one had ever asked him personally. Okay, here's my deal. So my deal is, I was raised kind of in a church going home, and so Billy Graham was a big deal in my day. For those of you who don't know, Billy Graham used to be an evangelist, and he would stand up in a, in a football stadium, and he would say, in his Texas accent, now I want all of you here to believe in the gospel. And me, and I went with one of his buddies, but thousands of people became Christians as a result of Billy Graham's ministry. How many of you were like born again because of some uh, 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 big event like that? Couple? 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 Yeah, yeah. Some of you were raised in Christian homes and would say that your mom and dad led you to Christ. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Way to go, parents. How many of you would say one of your friends, college or work, said to you something like, do you know Jesus? Would you like to receive? How many were led to Christ by a friend? Yep, 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 yep. That's got to be us. That has got to be us to cap in order to capture the heart of Christ. We've got to see people and love them enough, not to jam our religion down their throat. I got that. But somewhere to ask them to follow Jesus. We're not asking them to join some church or follow our church, but follow Jesus, man. It's <laughs> if they don't, the eternal consequences are horrible. We're going to have the heart of Jesus to see people and ask them to take this step to following him. And then, <laughs> then Jesus does something that's really, really, really radical. I mean, it's not so radical in our culture, but in their, in their culture, man, it was really, really radical. Oh, I love this. Oh, um, I'm sorry, before I get it. So Jesus said follow. So follow has two meanings, right? So follow means if I'm going from this point of the building to that point of the building, would you follow me? And so someone can walk behind the other person and they follow. That's, that's not what this means, right? Because they didn't go to Jesus' house. They went to Levi's house. So what Jesus was really asking was, I want you to follow me in this new way. I want you to become more like me as well, to follow me in, my, in, in your way. And so then Jesus says, really, really crazy stuff. Let's have a party. And it says in verse uh, uh, 29 that they had a party, a banquet. But the Greek word there is mega. They had a mega banquet. You know, oompa-pa bands. I don't know what they had. <laughs> but they had a mega banquet. And, and so who was there? Bunch of other ragamuffins, you know, a bunch of other characters and, and people that everyone hated. They got together. The first place, meeting place of people who hate us. You know, we don't care about those. They were all tax gatherers. And it says in verse uh, 30 that they were sinners. They were the rascals and the rats and the people that everyone in culture, we don't want them to come to our church because they'll make our chairs dirty. In that culture, if you didn't want to associate with somebody, you certainly would not eat with them. Because eating with them meant that you were like them and you were them. Still to this day, in the Orient, in the East, when you eat with somebody, boy, that's a symbol of like, I'm with you. 
with you. So Jesus walks in. Now he's not just looking at a guy. Now he's sitting down with a guy. And you know how the Jews were, they had like 613 laws because they had to wash their hands a certain way, you know? They had to do it ceremonially, like you dip so many times to properly. And Jesus sits down and says, hey, pass me a pork chop. <laughs> what? what? You know that? It, the Pharisees like, they freaked out. Um, uh, why do you eat and drink with tax gatherers and sinners? I love his answer. Jesus said, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. Question, who's he talking about? He's talking about the, the tax gatherer, but who else is he talking about? The Pharisees and the, and the, and the scribes. You're as sick as they are. Because you can't see the value in these people. You can't see the treasure in who Christ made them. You're as sick as they are, and they can't see me. So you're both sick. I've come to call both of you guys. You self-righteous and you self-deprecating. I've come to call you both. So here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat with you. And while we're eating, we'll talk. And while we're talking, we'll have fellowship. And if I see you, I may ask you to follow me too. Isn't that cool? So this is a good read, Eats with Sinners. Um, I first met Phil at the local YMCA. He looked lonely. You saw him. So I struck up a conversation with him. Honestly, he seemed like a lost sheep, but my heart was drawn to his condition. The more I got to know him, the more I realized that he was just lonely. And I made it a point to work out at the same time he did so we could connect on a regular basis. Eventually, I arranged for us to meet for lunch at a local restaurant, which we did several times. And through our eating together, we became good friends. And Phil began to trust me. And as I shared my faith with him, I could see him coming alive. A few months later, after we met, I had the privilege of baptizing Phil, surrounded by a crowd of joyful Christians who cheered and applauded as he came up out of the water. It was pure joy. I'll never get the look on his face. He said, they're clapping for me. It's like, it's like a party. Yep. Yep. And Jesus ate with sinners to save some. And so he asks us to find space and energy and time to eat with sinners to save some. Isn't that cool? There, God does not seem to be using Billy Graham types in the same way now as he did a long time ago. Now it seems like it like this. How a friend talks to a friend who talks to a friend who talks to a friend. So I've had two things here now, right? One, I'm just about done, so stick with me here, okay? Has anyone ever asked you to follow Jesus? I'm not asking you if you're a nice person, and I'm not asking you if you, I believe in God, I'm going to ask that question. I'm asking the question, will you follow Jesus as his disciple? That would be a yes or a no answer. My second question is, will you disciples, who you really are, you already know Jesus, you've known Jesus for a long time, 
Will you begin to make the pro to make space to develop relationships with non-believing people? To befriend people who just don't get your faith for the purpose of loving them. And if they never receive Jesus, it's not a bait and switch. You'll still love them. But for the purpose of being Jesus and, and asking them to, that's a yes to no question also. I confess, this got me. I'm busy. I'm a pastor. I'm doing important things. There's nothing more important than hanging out with people who don't get it. Sometimes. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose your light. In a minute, we're going to close here. This is our week, our month of prayer. So when I close, we're all, well, Aaron's going to lead us in song. When we're all done singing, um, we'll close. Could you just kind of stay and pray that God would make us a house of light and salt? That we'd, would you pray that God would make us a people who really sees people, who cares and loves people? Because we're all busy, crazy. I got, I got that, I got that, I got that. Would you just, so I'm going to ask you to stay for like, I don't know, we'll have some different stuff on the board, maybe 10 minutes or so, something like that. So I'm going to ask you for this month not to go out and do this in the lobby. I love that lobby stuff. I, it's a blast. But for this month, before you do this, would you spend time in prayer for our church? that we would have the heart and the eyes and the voice of Jesus to a world who just hasn't got a clue and don't even know they're lost. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving us your word. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Uh, and God, many of us would confess that we just don't share our faith. We're, we're involved in doing really important things, good things. But the truth is, some of us, I don't know, we're afraid of it or we just don't make time for it or I, I don't know. So this morning, uh, folks, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be his disciple, I'm going to lead you in prayer. And you pray, if you believe it, you pray inside silently what I'll pray outside. I'll pray it outside, out loud. If you believe it, then you pray that same prayer inside to God, okay? To him. Lord Jesus, I think you're talking to me. I believe that you, Jesus, are calling me now. I am sorry for my selfish ways. And though I've always believed, I confess I've never really received you. So this day, by faith alone, I receive you as my personal Savior. If you will help me, I will become 
your disciple. And I will follow you as best I know how for as long as I live. Thank you, Jesus, for taking up your residence inside me and making me your child. And for those of you who prayed a prayer like that a long time ago, you've known Jesus, you really have prayed a prayer something like that a long time ago, and you've known him for a long time. I'm going to pray for you. And you, if you believe what I'm praying, you pray inside. Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for my salvation. I am part of your family. I confess. I have not made sharing my faith a part of my experience. I'm sorry. Help me see people you want me to see. Help me intentionally care about those who do not believe. Help me share my hope in you with those who are lost. And whether or not they respond, that's up to you. Make me faithful at handing out seeds. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you that you ate with sinners. <laughs> thank you that you ate with me. Thank you that you called me. I can't believe that you did. As we talk about things that are of first importance, Father. We pray that you would continue to use the Washera Community Church, those who come here and others around the church and around the world, to continue to share and care for those who just don't know you. Bless this dear congregation. And, and then, Father, as we sing and as we pray, oh God, please hear our voices. Put people on our heart that we think we already see. God, maybe we become prayer warriors for those who are walking in darkness. Maybe we unconditionally love them, but we'll be faithful in prayer. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. You've called us to be salt and light in a world that's walking in greater darkness all the time. So bless your church, I pray, with the word you've given us, God. Make us bold and loving and caring and Bless each one I ask, I pray in Jesus' name.